Good morning. Hope you're enjoying this spring weather. This must be what it's like to live down in Atlanta or somewhere down like down there. I'm not sure. Really? Hey. Wow. So we have some, something to be thankful for. <laughs> All right, well, last week we took some time to look at Ephesians chapter 5 and 1 Peter 3, um, the most concentrated passages in the Bible with regard to our relationship uh, with our spouses uh, or with each of our spouse, each of us with his spouse, his or her spouse. It's uh it's important to see that these instructions that are given here are not arbitrary. They're not just, you know, Paul, this is a good idea, or Peter, you know, I just decided to come up with this type of thing. But these are grounded in um, creation itself. Remember, God um, God gave them responsibilities before they were married, and then when they sinned, they were judged or condemned, uh, cursed, on the basis of the relationships that they had. So that man's uh, main curse was that it was going to make it harder for him to do his main responsibility, which was to care for the creation that he was charged over. And then for woman, her curse is in regard to her um, position as wife and mother, that it would make it harder for her to bear children and it would make it harder for her to live with her husband. And so we see that these um, responsibilities of husband as authority and and wife as submissive um, are not arbitrary and are not just uh, um, old-fashioned models, but but rather that they are designed by God to to make uh, to make society go, to make our families go, to make our our church go properly. So let's uh, begin with the word of prayer. We'll look at, uh, we'll answer some questions today about uh, the role of husband and wife primarily, uh, since we are talking about manhood and womanhood at home. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for uh, your word and how it instructs us, and, and it is sufficient for all that we need for life and godliness. And we pray that you'd help us to trust in that, not to um, to fall back on our the way that we've been brought up or or society's idea of what a man and a woman should look like but but that we would consistently uh grade how we are doing based on what the scripture says we love your word and we want to obey it we love how it provides blessing for us now and eternally and we pray that you would um that you would give us a blessing as a result of learning it and responding to it we pray in Jesus name amen All right, so first we want to talk about uh, distinctive roles. That is that the husband and wife have distinctive God-given roles within the family. Man's role, we've talked about this several times, man or husband's role is provider and protector, and the woman's role is helper and mother. Okay, Or we could say the woman's role is wife and mother. That's her primary responsibility that that's laid out for for her there. And uh, obviously these are controversial statements. If you said these to someone at work, they're going to have a problem. They're going to have lots of exceptions. Well, what about this? What about this? And and um, But remember, back in 
Genesis chapter 3, after they sinned, God describes the effects of their sin uh, based on their responsibilities, uh, as I mentioned earlier. Um, In other words, He doesn't curse man on the basis of His um, responsibility to raise His children, although later on He's going to learn that that is His responsibility, but that's not the primary way in in which He's cursed. It is how He works with the ground. And uh, so this means that, that this model is set up at creation and is, is a timeless model for husbands and wives, wives, that husbands are to be providers and protectors and, and uh, wives are to be um, uh, helpers and, uh, and good mothers. Um, and so, you know, that, that has some implications for us. We recognize that. Um, we recognize that this means that man, men should, generally speaking, be the primary breadwinners at home and assume that role willingly and responsibly. And women should recognize their roles as helpers to their husbands and uh, caregiver to their children. Okay, so now we're going to talk about some exceptions because we want to, we want to uh, be able to address some of these things. These are some of the things that we've been thinking about throughout the course and haven't maybe given, given adequate answers to. So I want to ask and answer some questions as we go. What about the wife's responsibility outside the home? We Turn to Titus chapter 2 with me. Titus chapter 2 because uh, this is a verse that's used as a proof text for saying that women must be at home. Okay? That if you are a wife, you have to be at home and you have to be a worker at home. But I want, I want us to understand this passage properly and then also think about it in context with the rest of Scripture so that we're understanding it um, adequately. Okay? What is Paul saying here in Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5? Would someone read those verses? Verses 3 through 5. There are, I think, two extremes that we can take to a passage like this. Number one, um, we can say uh, we can simply disregard it and say these things are these things were just cultural norms back then and are are not designed for us. So women don't have to follow any of these things. They don't have to verse four love their husbands. They don't have to love their children. They don't have to be sensible. I mean, they can just determine their own way, sort of thing. Okay, obviously that's one extreme. The other extreme is to say that what God is intending here through the Apostle Paul, is that all women must be at home. That is, all wives must be workers at home. That's the the word there is actually... The words that come in the English language, workers at home, are actually one Greek word, and it's the only time it's used in the New Testament, so it's hard for us to know except for based on the the, uh, structure of the verb, and it actually comes from two words that that, uh, mean working at home or home despot, home worker. Um, That's the idea. So, what is Paul saying here? I I think the point here is not that they should only be workers at home, 
but that they should be, this is important, primarily workers at home. That's her main responsibility. The wife's main responsibility is to be working at home. Okay? Um, And I know this because of Proverbs chapter 31. Okay? So keep this text in mind. Then go back to Proverbs 31. I want us to do a little bit of a um, research study together. We've already read through these this passage in previous classes, so I'm just going to point you to the to the text, and then and I want you to pick out some some ways in which we can see that a, a woman can work outside the home. Okay, so what Paul is saying is that her primary God-given responsibility is to be a diligent worker at home, a homemaker. Um, that that she's working to help support her husband in, in his responsibility to provide a godly environment in which their family can be raised. That, that she's supposed to be a supporter in that way. Um, but that does not mean that she cannot focus on any other things. Okay? Um, i get a little ahead of myself here. Let's, let's look at Proverbs chapter 31. And uh, starting with verse 10 to the end of the chapter, what I want you to look for is... Are there any indications that that this woman, this noble woman, works outside the home? And if there are, just tell me which verse and, and point us all to it, all right? There's several of them, verses 10 through 31. Mark. 11, 14. <laughs> okay, let's, let's slow down here. Verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. Um... I don't know that that's talking about outside the home. Fourteen's a good one. She's like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. That's probably, uh, actually, that's probably just talking about how much of an extent she goes to to provide things that come to the house. So, you know, uh, she wants some special meal cooked or some special garments. She's willing to be, you know, go as far as is necessary. All right, any any others? Sixteen, she considers a field and buys it. Okay, there's a good one. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. So there you go. Uh, she's working outside the home there. What else? 18. She senses that her gain is good and her lamp does not go out at night. So it sounds like not only does she go to a far and, and make these business endeavors, but she also does things within her home in which she can provide income that is in addition to what her husband is providing. All right, what else? What is it? 20... She makes linen garments and sells them. Okay, good. She's got a little home business going on. Probably can't can't really you know put them up on eBay or anything like that. So she's got to go down to the marketplace and sell them outside of the home. 19. Verse 19. She stretches out her hand to the distaff and her hands grasp the spindle. So there she's she's working to provide for her family. Probably some sort of clothing to help clothe her family. All right. So Trish. Yeah, we 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 looked we looked at that one. All right. So, um so those who try to use Titus chapter 2 verse 4 to say that women or wives can only work at home fail to use what is called the analogy of scripture. That is that scripture interprets scripture. We can't take one text and say this is a proof text for all others unless it's consistent with all of the rest of scripture. So if we have clear text that that um, 
that give an opposing view or, or a, um, an alternative idea, then we have to be able to reconcile these things together. So that's why I say the wife's responsibility is not solely to be workers at home, but it is primarily to be workers at home. So here are some key questions that we want to ask uh, within our families, wives specifically. This is what you want to ask. Okay, what is your motivation for doing this? Why do you want to work outside of the home? Is it for the purpose of money solely, you know, the pursuit pursuit of wealth? You remember Paul says that many who are pursuing wealth ensnare themselves in a trap and, and, and to many foolish and harmful lusts? Or is it for, you know, worldly intellectual stimulation, maybe, you're not getting the, the praise that you want from your husband at home, and so you want to get it from people outside of the home? Or is it a properly motivated working outside the home, like I believe the Proverbs 31 woman is doing, and that is for the good of her family? Is she working for the good of the family? And so this is what all working outside of the home must be for a wife. It must be for the good of the family. Uh, that is, it is to, to help her husband in his calling and, and contributing to the care of her children. If it becomes harmful to that, where the, the home is not uh, being uh, cared for in a proper way because the wife is working outside the home, then she's failed. Okay? Then it's not properly motivated. It's not properly done. And so the question is, can you as a wife still fulfill your primary calling as a wife and mother while working outside of the home okay does that contribute to it um we'll talk about this more uh this last point this last question that we should ask we'll talk about this more when we get to manhood and womanhood at the workplace because and, and i've actually mentioned some of this before but does it support does it Help your responsibility, ladies, to remain feminine biblically in a biblical way. Okay, that is, if you're going outside the home and you're being in a position where you are constantly in authority over men, and you're having to uh, to wrestle with that sort of uh, setup, your responsibility to be feminine, to be a helper, to be a support, then uh, then you may want to think about that again okay we're going to talk about that more exactly what that looks like this decision for a wife to work outside the home is not a a one-sided decision it's not a unilateral decision okay it's not just made by the wife or it's not just made by the husband it should be made you know the two are one flesh and this should be made i mean ultimately we'll talk about how the husband has primary responsibility but but it should not be made just you know i i i need to pursue my career type of thing, and uh, I, I don't care what you think, husband, I, I'm just going to do it. Um, so, can a wife work outside the home and still be a godly wife? Absolutely. Okay, but, but, it, but wives, you should be guarded in, in how, you, how you're thinking about your work and how you're using that work to contribute to your family. Make sure that it's something that's in line with, you know, your husband's responsibility to to uh, to care for your family and and with his his wishes too not something that you've just gone out and done and and he's had no saying in it that's a big decision and uh, again the main thing we should be thinking about 
is Titus chapter 2, that the primary responsibility is to be workers at home. That, that totally goes against our culture. Okay, that, that, that doesn't work uh, very well practically, pragmatically in our culture. But according to God's model, that is, that is biblical. All right? Next, how should men and women make <coughs> decisions? How should they make decisions? Um, should there be a consensus when it comes to decision-making? Or should there be a, a, a balance? And I think there is a delicate balance that has to be uh, that has to be uh, take, taken uh, into consideration when a husband and wife make decisions, specifically consequential consequential decisions. Okay. On the one hand, we recognize that it is the husband's primary responsibility for the decisions that take place within the home. I'm speaking about the significant decisions because he's charged with maintaining leadership in the home. And so if there's a significant situation like we just talked about and it's made without his leadership, then um then obviously there can there there's going to be uh potential trouble down the road. At the very least it is in defiance against God. Okay? So there has to be a balance that the husband has the authority, but also he has to recognize that, that doesn't mean that he makes every decision in the sense that you know, uh, the wife just says, you know, I, I need to make a decision on this. Here, you tell me what to do type of thing. But Because he, his responsibility, as we talked about before, is to lead in what way? It is as a servant, right? Remember, the greatest leader is the greatest servant. So, so he has to do it with her best interest in mind. If he's going to love his wife, then he needs to to do it uh making these decisions make these decisions in an understanding way that is making these decisions with her best interests in mind and allowing her to to have some input in it uh respecting your views and opinions and feelings and uh and uh, allowing her to contribute as well okay and so ultimately they th- there should be a decision making that happens in a way that is balanced where the husband has the authority, the wife is happy to follow, and and hopefully those can be made in a satisfying way where both are satisfied. But there will be times when there will be decisions that um, that, that that can't become you can't come to a, a perfect agreement on. And so what has to take place there? Well, hopefully that doesn't happen very much, but it will. You 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 have been married for a while, you know this, and in that situation, it is the husband's responsibility not to be passive but to be active to uh, make the decision and uh, even if he decides against the wife's direction and then the wife should prayerfully seek to understand that decision and submit to it okay that's not easy i understand and men we have to be very careful again um, not to just steamroll our wives but but to be careful in that and to be loving and serving. But ultimately, the leadership of our family is is put on us. It is our responsibility. And uh, remember, ladies, there there will be times when he makes decisions that are um, that that you disagree with. And when he does, make sure that you have biblical grounds by which you usurp his authority. If you do, okay. Obviously, 
the biblical model is for you not to usurp his authority except in cases where he defies God. He's telling you to do something or he's leading you in a way that is against the Scripture. So you have to have clear biblical grounds to defy him. And that's not the norm in our culture because what it says is, you know, you're your own person too and so you, you just, uh, you know, ha- have it however you think is best and so on. But you should recognize, ladies, that your default disposition is to submit to Him. All right, so that's um, making decisions in a nutshell. Any questions or comments on that? All right, what about discipline of children? Hey, who's responsible to care and discipline for the children? Turn to First Timothy chapter 3. First Timothy chapter three. These are the um, qualifications for a pastor specifically, but I, I want to um, just point our attention to it. And show just an example here. Remember, the the, the pastor is not um, some elite spiritually or anything like that. It's just uh, someone who who has been. Um, has been entrusted with the responsibilities that every Christian is commanded to do. The only one that he is not, that every Christian is not responsible to do, that a, that a, that a pastor is, is able to teach. Not every Christian has to be able to teach, but every Christian is has responsibility in some other context to do all these other things. Okay, so look at verse three. Uh, I'm sorry, verse uh, four. He must be one that is the the pastor if he's going to be qualified to be a pastor. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? Okay, so point your attention to verse 4 there. He, he needs to manage his own, own household, keeping his children um, under control with all dignity. Now turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And notice to whom the responsibility to... Um, instruct and, and lead children is given to Ephesians chapter 6 and would someone read verse 4 okay so to whom is that addressed the fathers okay so obviously that doesn't mean you know mothers you're off the hook you don't have to care for your children you don't have to discipline them but the primary responsibility, again, is for, to the fathers. It's given to the fathers. Just like the primary responsibility for the, the obedience to God in the garden was given to whom? It was given to Adam. Adam, you are not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day of you eat of it, you will surely die. Well, the implication is there. You're supposed to tell your wife that. Okay? And... Um, Obviously, he, he failed in that. And, and so, men, our, the primary responsibility, ultimate responsibility rests on us. But the day-to-day management of children, just because of the nature of man's responsibility to work outside the home, right, to provide for the family, the day-to-day responsibility or the day-to-day management of children falls on whom? The wife, right? The mother. And... Um, and uh, this makes sense because 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 14 says that wives are to manage their homes. Titus 2, we already saw they're supposed to be 
workers at home. Well, this is one of the things that they're going to be working at, not just helping uh, provide meals and so on and, and clothes and, and uh, making sure that the house is all in order, but, but also to care for the children. And uh, even Proverbs 31, uh, we didn't really look at, at this specifically when we just looked at it, but, but she, has, she, ha- she is a woman who teaches her children and who is diligent with them and who is, who is providing wisdom for them. Um, so that means that husbands, you have primary responsibility, but you need to give your wife uh, some room to be able to carry out those responsibilities that you have charge over. Okay, so in other words, husbands, you have oversight, and women, you have responsibility to to be um, to be to be uh, carrying out the management of the household underneath his leadership. And so that means we we understand this that practically. Mothers are going to spend more time with the children than than fathers, right? At least during the day. But I mean, she's going to be involved in this in the, in their schooling and the activities that go around that, um, you know, while the husband is at work. And uh, and so that means because she has more time, then guess who the discipline often falls on? It falls on the mother because um, because the husband's not home to to. Uh, to be able to do that, um, but that doesn't just mean that you know we 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 as husbands or, or fathers have the responsibility. We have the overall responsibility, so we can be completely hands off, and uh, you know that's that's your day to day responsibility. So good luck with that. Um, no, we should teach our children to respect and honor both their father and their mother. And um, one uh, author has written that. Retribution from dad should never be so swift and sure as when a child shows disrespect to his mother. You know, I'm sure you've heard of fathers when they discipline their children. Um, they often describe the child's mom not as their mom, but as my wife. You know, don't you ever say anything like that to my wife again. Um, so, so husbands, fathers, don't be passive in your instruction and discipline leaving the work uh, all to the wife, um, especially when you're present. Okay, I know you have long days at work and you come home and you want to rest. You want to not have more problems to deal with in addition to the problems that you already were dealing with all day at work. But you know, your wife is thinking the same thing because she's had to deal with some of these troubles all day and now you come home and she still has to deal with them. Okay, so... Be responsible, be, be active fathers when you're home. Be the primary discipliner. You should be maybe the only discipliner when you're home. Um, that is, that if she sees something that they're doing that is in defiance against, the clear, against clear instruction, then she should say, honey, go take care of that, okay? Go take care of the kids. And that should not be a problem because husbands, we ought to be, we ought to be uh, taking the leadership there. Well, there's a lot we could talk about with regard to um, corrective discipline, and we could also talk about formative di- discipline or preventative discipline. That is not always should it be, you know, on the other end. You, you did this wrong. This is the retribution you're going to get. But rather at the front end too. Here, let me show you what it looks like to be a wise child. L- let me show you what it looks like uh, to be a foolish child, so that you don't go that way. You know, it's preventative type things. Fathers, you should lead in that way. Um, 
we'll have a lot more to say beginning in the middle of February. We're going to start a class on parenting here in, in the spiritual success series. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Hope hope that that will be valuable to you. So here are your blanks. Husbands, you're responsible for instruction and oversight. And uh, you wives are responsible for day-to-day management. And I, I failed to mention, uh, too, that you know there are two extremes here that we need to avoid men. There is a passive leadership where we just kind of let it all fall on the wife. You know, or the mother, let, let you, you. You can handle it. I've got too many other things on my plate. I don't have time for that. And then the other extreme is micromanagement. That is, not that it's completely hands-off doing nothing, but now you're in every single little decision that the wife or mother has to make. Like, you know, um, as if she's a child or something. Okay, so we have, we got to be careful with both extremes. There's a delicate balance in how that authority and leadership is, is carried out in the home. Does that make sense? Any questions or comments? Vicki. Yeah. Well, if he if he's forcing that on her, that would be. But if she's asking lovingly, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, she. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's uh, like you're in a uh, boot camp or something. You know that that's not a healthy atmosphere for a um, a godly relationship. Paul. Right. Yeah, if it's the husband. I don't know what the word is. I better ask my husband. Right. Yeah, or, you know, giving her a list of things to do while he's gone at work. These are the things that need to get done. Now, you know, if if there was some uh if there was some uh indiscretion on the part of the wife and there needed to be some, you know, let's let's start talking about what needs to be done, you know, while I'm gone type thing, then that w- wouldn't be unbiblical, but but if it's done in a domineering sort of way, it just got to be careful how carry out leadership. Um, men must be done a loving way. Remember, doing it, your responsibility, First Peter three seven, is to live with your wives in an understanding way. Put yourself in their shoes as best as you can. Live with them in an understanding way. All right. Next, Sandra. Yeah. Right. Charm, yep. She shall be praised, and it, it seems like all the way throughout that chapter that her most important thing was the spiritual feeding of God in her home, which leads to the spiritual desire for her children. Yeah. Yeah, and, and um, I think you could also say that because of her godliness, that it led to her industry outside the home as well, in order to help protect. She was. She was so good at taking care of the home that she actually could go outside the home and even help the home even more. That was that was how industrious she was. All right, next question. How should uh how should a husband and wife 
allocate other duties and responsibilities. This is kind of in keeping with a couple questions ago. Okay, that is, who's responsible for making consequential decisions? It is the husband who has primary responsibility. The wife should be uh, happily following behind. But what about other uh, decisions? What about other responsibilities? Piper and Grudem say it this way, the many duties and responsibilities of managing a household should be allocated in such a way that the feminine and masculine proclivities come to their natural expression and the strengths and weaknesses of each partner are recognized. Okay, so what type of responsibilities are there in the home and which, which ones lend themselves to the husband's responsibility to be leader, a leader and ruling over creation and the wife's responsibility to be a helper and a support. Okay, and the answer, gentlemen, is not everything. It's the, the wife's responsibility to help and support. Um, there are many uh, affairs, uh, different things that go on in the household that, that um, you know, we have, broader, we have broader principles and scriptures with regard to masculine and feminine uh, proclivities. And so there should be some freedom and variation in each marriage based on the strengths and weaknesses of each partner. So, for example, you know, it would not be wrong for a wife to take care of the bills, but the husband is ultimately responsible for how those bills are allocated, right? How, how that money is being spent. He's ultimately responsible, even if the wife is the one who writes the check and, um, and makes sure that all the, the payments are up to date. All right, so those are, I gave you your blank here. Yeah, should be based on the varying strengths of each person. Does that make sense? Pretty pretty straightforward. All right, um, next, how should single men and women think about biblical masculinity and femininity? Okay, what, what should this, what does this mean for singles? Um, because most of the passage we talked about, and I mean, it makes sense because we're talking about biblical manhood and womanhood at home, and I've said the main focus that we're going to have is between the husband and the wife. But this also has application for those of you who are single. That is, that there are characteristics of biblical femininity and masculinity that transcend the context. That is, you don't have to be in a marriage relationship to, to display your feminine or biblically masculine characteristics. So, if you are single, that means that you should conduct yourself and manage your homes in way in ways that are in keeping with the characteristics that have been laid out for you in in scripture. So, men, um, fight against the urge to live as a perpetual teenager. Okay? It's not wrong to be a teenager when you're a teenager. But it is wrong to be a teenager when you're 36 years old. Okay, Use my age as an example. Now, conduct yourselves in your home lives, whether you live alone or in a, with a group of guys, you know, in a way that fosters responsibility, discipline, self-control, not just sitting around playing video games all day or whatever teenagers do. I don't, I don't have any yet, so I don't know. But... Um, <laughs> But, you know, it doesn't matter if you're married or not. Your responsibility is to manage your own household well. Manage your household well. And so that means you should be up to date on your finances. And your home should be clean. It should be a place where people can 
can actually come and and um, and not be scared away by the the rats. Okay. <laughs> Discipline how you spend your time at home. Um, make sure that you're being pure with your use of the computer and other media. Okay. Um, this is a responsibility for husbands certainly, but it's the responsibility for you as single men as well. Learn to use something else besides a cell phone to make dinner each night, okay? Um, practice self-leadership in the form of spiritual disciplines. Um, practice servant leadership among those with whom you live. Open your home to other people. Uh, be hospitable. Be a good, generous neighbor in your in your neighborhood. Okay, These are going to foster characteristics, biblical... Masculine traits um, that uh, that would be in keeping with with what we've been talking about. Um, so that even if you remain single for the rest of life, your life, you, you know, um, you can still be seen as not only seen before other people as masculine, but but before God. Ladies, cultivate the helping and nurturing traits of biblical femininity. Okay. Be busy at home rather than focusing all of your energies on work or outside pursuits. Be deliberate about caring well for your housemates. Practice hospitality. Host groups in your home or prepare meals for others in the congregation or your community. Okay. Learn how to manage your household well. And that may mean that you're going to have to be deliberate about you know, learning how to decorate and even make home repairs, meal planning, managing your finances and time. Um, be careful with your words and, and uh, keep gossip outside of your home. That doesn't mean gossip when you're outside your home, but, but keep it out of your life. Uh, offer to care for the children of others in your home or in theirs. You know, Serve the children in our church by working in the nursery or in different ministries within the church or even you know, extracurricular activities with the children in our church. Pursue the, the, um, the competence of the Proverbs 31 woman. Okay. As Sandra just pointed out, you know, the, the main thing there is not that she, she's a wife. It's the main thing is not that she provides these, you know, all these spectacular ways to, for her family, but it is that she fears the Lord. So pursue that sort of mentality, that sort of lifestyle. Um, now the you know ladies and, and single men I mean it's it's tough because as you are single that you are you have responsibilities that that um, are going to be taken care of by the other person when you get married okay so you kind of take on both responsibilities when you're single um, and and I understand that but but if you if you are good at these things, if you get good at these things, your responsibilities and even things that aren't your responsibilities inside of a marriage, then uh, then a marriage will be a, a must, much less uh, drastic change. I mean, it is a change because you're you're giving your life to someone else. Basically, uh, you're giving yourself in service to another person, and. Uh, but ultimately, you should be pursuing those things that are in keeping with your uh, gender 
that is your uh, responsibility to be feminine or to be masculine according to the Scriptures. All right, so those are some of the questions that are probably the most pressing with regard to biblical manhood and womanhood at home. We have time for a few more, though, if you have any or, or comments on what we've talked about. Vicki. Yeah, that's uh, that's a difficult one because that's not the norm. I mean, I mean, um, you know, um, in our society, there's all sorts of uh, insurances and things to to help care for your family when, um, you know, when a person becomes disabled. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that would be. Um, we have to do that in order to be godly. We don't have to have. Uh, long-term disability in order to be godly. but And uh, at the same time, you know, um, I think I think it's more prevalent that a spouse will become disabled than, than a spouse will die during the, um, the working years from what I understand from um, my study of uh, insurance and, and the other company that I work for. So, um, so I, I think that pro- there probably is some wisdom into guarding and and uh, preparing for something like that. But, but I think it all comes down to something very basic. And maybe this is sounds like a cop out, but it is, you know, um, trusting in God and fulfilling our day-to-day responsibilities. You know, uh, there should be some force forethought, some foresight on the part of both the husband and the wife for a time like that, but um, you know, but ultimately um, we can prepare all those things and all those things could fade away like the flowers. So um, so there's a certain sense in which we just have to depend upon God to provide for us even in a situation like that. Yeah, and uh, you know that kind of speaks to a time when, when Paul becomes disabled or something, or gets too old to care for himself or the family has to have his. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, Jonathan.
and it was an unsaved person that told me, how old are you, you know? <laughs> what are you doing? What are you acting like, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I'm like, uh, what are you talking about? And then I realized what this person was telling me. And I finally decided to grow up, and I was like 30 or so at the time. You know, I mean, I was partially on my way to growing up, but I wasn't really seriously becoming a man at that point. I was still living like an 18-year-old or a 17-year-old or something like that. And what it means is you suffer greatly if you um, postpone your life because we cannot have children of our own biologically. I mean, if we choose to adopt, maybe that could happen. I don't know. But, you know, you miss out on a lot of things that you could have had because God can't yeah yeah and I think it's actually even more dangerous to act like a teenager when you're not a teenager because uh, when you're a teenager you still have are underneath the authority of your parents and so there's a certain guard guardianship that takes place and stops you from doing things when you get out on your own and you're still acting like a teenager then you feel like you're you're without rules kind of no holds barred type living and it's a very dangerous way to to live, and uh, so so in other words, live with responsibility as a single person. Live with responsibility as a husband or or a wife. All right. Any last thoughts? All right. Biblical womanhood, manhood, and womanhood at church. Um, what does this mean for for all the different responsibilities and and roles within the church? Next two weeks we'll look at that. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the gift of um, marriage. Thankful that you um, have designed that from the beginning of creation, and and you have uh, set up the the um, the way in which it would operate, the complementary nature of the man to fill in the gaps for what the the wife could not do, and and um, for the wife to fill in the gaps for what the husband could not do. That you supply strengths that that neither one of us uh, have from the other person so that together we can be uh, stronger, even uh, grow in godliness more than than we could before. Um, We pray that you'd help us to be um, content and faithful in our relationships, to love you and to love our uh, people to whom we are responsible and the people over whom we are responsible. May help us to show love and care in those relationships, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.